This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 484 of the Stable Scoop, a radio show by Purina Mills. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Purina Mills and Horselovers.com. This week's Rest of the Scoop is called A Capable Man, written by Biz Stam. We have our first Auditor Roundtable, and the Horselovers.com product review of the week is the Noble Outfitters Madison Show Shirt. Listen in. I am Glenn the Geek, and you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Stable Scoop was the first show on the Horse Radio Network and is still going strong in our 10th year. We're excited to have our first Auditor Roundtable for 2018 in the new format of the Stable Scoop Show coming up for you later on after the product review. Stick around for that. We have Andrea, Richard, and Mary joining us today to talk about a couple of different things, finding places to ride, did you pick your horse or did your horse pick you, and going fast. How do you get brave enough to do it? So all of that is coming up later on in the show. But first, we have to get to our rest of the scoop this week, written by Biz Stam. Biz is one of our tremendous auditors and also writes for Horse Nation. She's an author over there as well. You can find some of her articles at horsenation.com. A Capable Man by Biz Stam. Gardens are a threshold between what is wild and what has been domesticated by humankind. From potted herbs on a windowsill to a well-planned courtyard, gardens offer the ability to organize and arrange the natural world. In 18th century England, gardens had become a prominent feature of the great manor houses. Meticulously manicured hedges surrounding carefully plotted rows of flowers and rectangular bodies of water were typical of this era. As the task of designing and maintaining these elaborate feats of landscape architecture required a great deal of skill, the position of head gardener carried a great deal of prestige. At one of those great manor houses, Kirkcarl Hall, an ambitious 16-year-old boy, the son of a chambermaid, managed to obtain the position of apprentice to the head gardener. He was a quick learner with a natural gift for the craft. At the age of 23, no longer a boy, but instead a young man, his talent had become undeniable, and he parted ways with the great manor house in Kirkharl, seeking bigger stages for his work, at even greater houses. After designing a handful of commissioned pieces, he acquired the position of undergardener at Stowe House in Buckinghamshire, working for the head gardener, William Kent. Kent, already a revolutionary in the realms of painting and architecture, was never one to be satisfied with the status quo. He had grown tired of the straight lines and regimented order that had become common for the day in the gardens of the great manor houses. He wanted to bring a bit of the countryside, a bit of the wild, back to the garden. The young undergardener became quite taken with this more natural style of gardening, drawn to the feelings of harmony and calm it evoked. At the age of 26, the young undergardener was promoted to head gardener, and it wasn't long after that that he created what would later become known as his first masterpiece, the Grecian Valley. Embracing the style of gardening he learned under Kent, the Grecian Valley represented the ideal natural landscape. Word of his genius at Stowe and this new style, dubbed the Gardenless Garden, spread quickly and created an insatiable demand for his designs. He would frequently tell those who commissioned his talents that while he might own a beautiful piece of land, it has the capability for improvement. He said this so often, in fact, that people began calling him by the name Capability. For most gardeners, the task of designing a garden is long and tedious, taking days, if not weeks, to survey the land and draft a design. The young gardener from Stowe, however, worked quickly, supplementing his own two feet with four hooves of a fast horse. Legend has it that the young gardener, aided by his horse, could survey a piece of land and craft a design in a matter of hours. Because of his ability to work quickly, the young gardener, Lancelot Capability Brown, became quite prolific. He designed nearly 170 gardens throughout England, many of which are still thriving today. There seems to be no lack of poetic justice in the fact that so many of the remaining gardenless gardens, designed by the landscape architect on a fast horse, have become best known for places where elite equestrian athletes gallop and jump over natural-looking obstacles. Some of the most prestigious horse trials in the world, Chatsworth, Blenheim, Badminton, and Burley Houses, just to name a few, boast gardens made by the man who became known as Capability. 
Just as he sought to bring out the best qualities that exist naturally in the countryside, the riders that come to compete at these events must do the same with horses, working with the mighty power underneath them instead of against it. A rider that does this will paint a picture of perfect harmony between man and nature, just as Lancelot Capability Brown did with his gardens. Greatness never ages, so help your senior horses live their best lives with Purina Equine Senior Horse Feed. It is ActiveAge, a proprietary prebiotic proven through the years of research to support a senior horse's aging immune system. To learn more, visit PurinaMills.com backslash equine senior. That's PurinaMills.com backslash equine senior. time it's my favorite part of the show product review time and i'm here with one of our auditors brendan ellum and what wonderful product from horselovers.com are you going to review for us this evening i had the opportunity to review the noble outfitters madison show shirt and um i ordered it in a medium which i felt was true to size and i ordered the color in a seaport paisley Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, it's a show shirt that has color options. How does that happen? Yes, it does. And it's wonderful for the for most of us who are not really good in an all-white show shirt. Um, it's not going to stay white. I know it. So <laughs> I ordered the, the Paisley. And what this one has, it, it has a white front. So when you put your coat on, it looks like a regular white show shirt. But on the sides and the sleeves, it's a dark teal blue. And the underside of the cuffs are a paisley print. So when you take off your coat, you're not just in an all-white shirt. You have some color to it, which is a little bit darker. Um, so that's the color I ordered. I know it does come in a white and a couple other color options, but I just felt the less white I had on a show shirt, the better off I was going to be. <laughs> There's a good point. I actually yeah. have this shirt as well. I have a different color in it, uh, but I have it as well. Uh -huh. Do, now, it does the Madison, if I remember right, because I have one, has the, it is made of the technical fabric, so it's super lightweight and sweat friendly. Yes. And then the... And it has... Go ahead. Yeah, it has the, um, under the arms, from the armpit down to the sleeve, it has a... a small, tiny mesh-like material to allow air to circulate and a generous portion down the middle of the back that allows the air to circulate, same type of material. Um, and it also has a lot of stretch in the back with that material insert, which I think would be great if you were to jump. It would allow you to move your shoulders and give you some stretch without adding a lot of bulk under your coat. That's something that I found very appealing with mine is that the material was lightweight and hot weather friendly, but the it was so soft and stretchy. It felt like a much more expensive shirt to me. Oh yeah. I mean I I I was blown away. I was blown away by the quality to detail. Um the fact that the buttons are covered down the front. Oh, yeah, isn't that the snazzy? Flap. Yeah, that's real snazzy. Yeah, you can't so see the buttons. Yeah, and so when you're showing, it just adds a little bit neater, cleaner line. Um, the one thing I did notice, if you're going to wear like a pink polka dot sports bra, it is going to show through. Yeah, um, leave, it, leave that at home. Go the with the white, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, just got to be careful when you're dressing in the dark in the morning to go to the horse show. Um, I also like that the sleeves could be rolled up. There was enough, enough generosity in the cuff that when you undid it, you could push the sleeves all the way up. Yes, um, that's very so useful because in, invariably you're still wearing your show shirt when you're when you find yourself needing to uh, apply polo wraps, remove bell boots, pick out hooves, and that sort of thing. And yeah, ro rolling up the sleeves is very handy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just it's what we do. We're in it from the time we 
put it on until we get back to the house at night. Yeah. Um, it has snaps on the collars and the cuffs, not buttons. So glow that you friendly. Don't have to, it's a little bit go. easier. Yeah, right. show glow friendly. Good. Um, the detail I was just, I was, I was blown away with um, how well it was made. I, I threw it in the washer, um, ran it through a delicate cycle because it said wash with light colors, but it went through by itself because I didn't have anything that was really white and teal. <laughs> and, um, and then I just let it air dry and I could put it on. I don't need to iron it. Oh, thank goodness. Um, it's Yeah, it said you could throw it in the dryer on low, but we're here in lovely Southern California with 85 degree heat and very low humidity right now with our Santa Ana's. So within an hour of hanging up in my living room, it was dry and re- and ready to go again. Uh, well, that's, that's yeah, nice too. Our, our, yeah. When you, when you're on the road or you're showing a lot and things like that, it's nice to have something that you can wash and dry quickly. Oh, this would be so easy to dry. Yeah. Wash it in the sink of the hotel room and hang it up and it's going to be ready to go in the morning. I I don't have any doubt. There we go. Love um, it. The sleeves, I have, I have really long arms and the sleeves were very generous in their length, which made it very comfortable to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, the material on the body um, is it's 87% polyester and 13% spandex. So it's going to just, it should wear fantastic. It's it's hardy, but it's not thick. It just seems sturdy, but not a real heavy material. So I, I was that. I was very pleased with it. There we oh, go. it also has the little a little <clears throat> the little thing in the back where you can hook your stock tie if you're wearing a stock tie for like a dressage test or for your dressage and your eventing or oh, um, whatever. Go. It also has a place for your stock tie. So there you go. So it's was, they they yeah, thought of that. That's nice because some disciplines. You can just wear the collar because they have the snap collar and it's just very stylish in certain hunter disciplines. Other disciplines, you still need to put that tie on. So they thought of that. That's good thinking for them. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's what I meant. The whole, the whole detail was, was great. Um, you know, I was, I was real, really, really impressed and I would definitely go to Noble Outfitters as far as looking at their stuff. Again, there's, there's nothing really, the length was perfect. It's going to stay tucked in, but it's not so big that you're going to look like, you got extra padding in the back and when you tuck <laughs> it into your britches. So you don't, um, you don't want to look like an insurance man. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's fabulous. This was the noble outfitters, Madison show shirt. And as we record our review this evening, it is available at horselovers.com. That's horse lovers with a Z at the end.com. Uh, for $36.99, and it comes in uh, extra small through extra large and an assortment of colors uh, that include white. So you can go with something a little bit more daring, or you can go with something a little bit less and kind of plain and traditional, something for everyone. And thank you very much, Brenda Nellum, for doing our product review. Well, it's time for our first auditor roundtable in the new format of the Stable Scoop Show. We're going to do this once a month where we get a group of auditors together. They get to pick the topics and have a chat uh, with each other about the various topics that they picked. And we did this a couple times last year, and it was it was a lot of fun, and we think it's going to be a lot of fun for all of you. Auditors, in case you're new to the show, auditors are people who contribute to the Horse Radio Network through our Patreon. Uh, they give anywhere from $1 to $20. $25 a month, and they, uh, you know, they're basically helping keep the lights on here at the Horse Radio Network, and we consider them our super fans. So they all get to, they have a special room on Facebook that has to be, and I think you guys would agree, one of the most active Facebook rooms I've ever seen, uh, and certainly that I'm part of. And that's one of the perks of being an auditor. Another perk is they get to talk to each other in these roundtables here on Stable Scoop. So let's meet them. We have... Um, we have Andrea, who is coming to us from where, Andrea? Uh, Vermont. Well, Vermont, you're, you're not cold or snowy or anything up there right now. Oh, no, not at all. No. It's just peachy. It's probably 85 degrees <laughs> and sunny and no snow at all. Well, actually, we have a heat wave right now, and it's 20 degrees. Oh, there you go. But you told me you just drove an hour <laughs> home in the snow today, right? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So my drive into work is 45 minutes. So I have a long, long drive home. Yeah. Especially when it's not. Usually takes me about an hour and a half when we're in bad snow. So. And there's no hills in Vermont either. So. Oh, I have to go over two mountains to get to my house. (sighs) Why is the question Jamie would ask? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Uh, I live here for the summers, to be honest. So the summers here are absolutely beautiful. Well, Andrea, tell us a little, do you have a horse, horses? What's your story? So, um, I've been riding horses since I was seven. Uh, I grew up, uh, riding a retired, uh, police horse from Washington, DC. And then about like 10 years ago, we had to put him down. So I got out of riding for about 10 years. And last year, um, I met a friend and she, uh, Uh, had two horses and somehow I ended up with her second horse. Uh, So that's kind of a long story, but um, so I've owned my horse now for a year. His name's Chester and uh, we're still getting to know each other. And what kind of, is it trail riding? Do you compete at all? Uh, I don't do any competing right now because he had a lot of behavioral issues. Um, So I've been working on those, but one of the things that I just uh, acquired all of my, uh, gear needed to get started with mounted archery. Oh, cool. So, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to get started with that. So I have some goals to, to do, uh, to complete this year that I have. So was that a result of listening to the shows by the way? Uh, yeah, it was, um, by hearing other people talk about it and, and how fantastic it is to, you know, have something you can work on and goal setting with your horse without the added pressure of showing. Now, you only have the added pressure of not shooting your horse in the head with an arrow. There's that. Well, yeah. 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 So, um, <laughs> but I grew up sh- shooting archery. My dad uh, oh, wow. was an archer, uh, uh, did archery for a long time. So I've done it before, but I've just has, I haven't done it in a long time. So I'll start on the ground and then eventually work my way up to doing it around the horse. Let's meet our Mm -hmm. next guest. We have Richard. Hi, Richard. Hey, Glenn. So where, where I think you've, I don't know if you've been on stable scoop. You've been on hit him before. I think you might've been on stable scoop before, but remind everybody where you're, where you live. I live in Fairborn, Ohio. And what kind of work you do with our horses? I work at a uh, Arabian breeding barn. And they um, have a few there, if I remember right. Uh, well, we're down to about 14 right now in the in the barn. That's enough in the winter in Ohio. I, uh, <laughs> it's plenty. <laughs> yeah, definitely, <laughs> considering it's a 17-horse barn. And are these show horses, halter horses, ridden horses, all of the above? No, no they're, just, uh, they're just breeding. My boss just... Uh, breeds uh the old arabian lines so he ends up selling some to uh, like saudi arabia uh, and over in the middle east plus uh sells them around in the united states also now didn't you so, start showing some of yours this year yeah um uh, i got to uh start showing my uh, two-year-old filly this year and we're just doing a uh, halter because uh with her being two years old yeah. she's not old enough yet to start riding so just trying to uh get her used to doing the show thing all right let's head over to mary and find out where mary is hi um i'm from wyoming but currently i'm in arizona and very happy about that. i bet <laughs> Wyoming, Arizona, this time of year. <laughs> yep, you, you made a good choice. <laughs> so what do you do yeah, in Arizona? Yeah. Um, well, I'm just traveling down here to do a show. Um, I sell Western Antiques, Cowboy Indian, and National Park Antiques. And the biggest show in my business is in Mesa, Arizona this um, coming weekend. So I've been coming to it for close to 30 years. That's scary to say. And, um, and it's a big deal. How cool is that? My business, Peter. How cool is that? Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. So I've got a U-Haul trailer behind me, and it's got to be unloaded. And uh, three days after it's unloaded, it gets loaded up again. And what about horses? Do you have yeah. any? I do. I have two. 
Um, one of them is the elder statesman. He's a quarter horse and he's 29. He'll be 30 in June and he's still going pretty strong. I don't work him too hard. Um, you know, we've got some pretty big mountains and so I don't, when I trail ride, I try to pick the flat rides for him and, um, and he does mounted patrol and, uh, which is kind of fun. We do that downtown in the town of Jackson. So it's just, it's like a glorified information booth on hooves. Um, and, and it's really, really fun. And then I've got a, um, a horse that's younger. I've had him for four years and he's a quarter horse Frisian cross and he's just a character. And, um, I did not grow up riding. So I, um, don't have that kind of childhood experience where I was racing around with no fear and thus, you know, being on this show and my question, which we'll get to, but, um, it's, it's kind of fun to listen to everybody who grew up on horses because I, I get a little jealous, but then I think, God, that must have been Yeah, so it is much, much easier to, to learn all, all, anything we learn without fear when we're kids. It's much more difficult when yeah. we're older and things hurt more. Um, yeah. We just don't bounce as <laughs> yes. much. It's just the bouncing part. Yeah. It's just not as good. All right. Well, let's get started with the questions. And you each submitted a, uh, several questions, and we're going to start with one of Andrea's. Why don't you ask the question, uh, the one about the horsey community? Uh, what What did you mean by that, and what's the question that we're going to talk about? Sure. Um, so I presented the question because, <clears throat> you know, living in Vermont, everywhere you go is at least a half hour to 45 minutes away. There's nothing close. You know, even if you say it takes 20 minutes, it's everywhere is going to take forever to get to because you just have to go around mountains. And um, so everybody's really far apart. Uh, so, and there aren't that many people who ride horses in Vermont is what I'm finding, at least in the area that I live in. So I board my horse um, at a barn but I'm finding that not too many people actually ride their horses who board their horses. So um, that's true everywhere, not I, just in Vermont. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, I'm at this sort of point where, you know, I've owned them for a year and I need to find more people to ride with and I can't find anyone. So I need to come up with solutions to either a be able to go riding by myself, but, talk to other people who do it and safety precautions that they take when they do go by themselves. Because, you know, if I go anywhere, I'm going to have to ride on the road, which I've ridden them on the road before, but with other horses and he's been fine. <clears throat> but, um, so I guess I wanted to present the question, what do you do when you don't live in a community where you can just reach out to people and go for a ride with other people? So how do you keep your horse interested and entertained and, and keep growing and, and working on uh, trust and, and relationship building. So that way, when you do take your horse out by themselves, they're not freaked out. <laughs> and Andrea, do you have a trailer? There. I don't. I don't have okay. a trailer yet. That is on my to-do list. You know, it's, it's funny because where I live, there's a lot of horses, but it's a very isolated community too. And we have to drive really far to get anywhere unless we want a trail ride, which there's trails we can, you know, ride trails for the rest of our lives and never be on the same one twice. But it's like water, water everywhere and not a drop to drink. It's really mm -hmm. hard to find somebody on the same schedule because everybody's so busy in the summer. Um, so it's almost the same situation that you have where I'm finding myself riding alone a lot because that's when I can fit it in and I can't call somebody and hope that within half an hour they can mobilize and be ready to ride as well. Um, right. So I, I kind of, I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> Since I don't have a horse my, of my own to ride yet, uh, I either have to go to my daughter's house. Uh, she has four that are uh, rideable and they're within maybe 15 minutes of a trail or if uh, I can go 30 minutes the other way to get to my wife's trainer and borrow one of her horses and my wife and I can go riding up there. So nothing close to where I live. I remember there was a um, suggestion on um, horses in the morning that to find riding 
um, partners maybe go to a tax shop and see if there's a bulletin board or anything like that? I mean, I'm sure that you've thought of everything to try to find groups of people. Uh, yeah, there's <clears throat> the closest tax shop is 45 minutes away and it's primarily English and um, they're, they're like, uh, so, I mean, I'm doing what I can, like you said, um, but what do you do then to, to the steps that you take when you go out by yourself? I mean, it sounds like you kind of, you have a younger horse, but you have an older horse and my horse is, he's eight. Um, Andrew, you have no place to ride off the road. It's all on the road. No. I got to tell you, that's what we lived in Lexington, and that's one of the reasons Lexington, Kentucky, you would think would be a great place to be. If, and you know, Jennifer loves the trail ride, it would be a great place to be when you trail ride. But all the barns in around Lexington where we boarded, other than the fields that were pastures, and they were all maybe, you know, they weren't great big size, um, there was no place to ride because all Mm -hmm. of the farms there are fenced in and they're all big thoroughbred farms. And you would think all that beautiful countryside, but there's no place to ride. So that's one of the reasons. Interesting. Yeah. It's one of the reasons we ended up moving down here is to find a place to ride. Um, I mean, you'd think a community like that would have gotten together and figured out some, you know, way uh, to have a shared hacking trail or something. Those big farms just don't want you on them. You know, they just don't want you on them. They don't want your horses near their million-dollar horses. You know, they don't want your $400 (laughs) horse near their million-dollar horse for a lot of reasons. Uh, It might might rub off. (laughs) Exactly. Well, like around me, there are a ton of hay fields. And so in the fall time, you can kind of, you can get away with riding on the hay fields, but in the summertime, they, the, the farmers will just be, they will yeah, they not let you ride on it. You know, I no, hate to say no. it, but you just might be in a dry area. I mean, dry yeah. horse-wise. <laughs> I mean, there are those out there. Uh you know, not every area has a ton of horses. And, and Facebook, obviously, if there's any groups, they're going to be on Facebook. Like, there's five right. groups here in Ocala for trail riding. Um, I think you're just going to have to screw up the courage to ask people if you can ride on their property. And if they say no, just shrug it off and ask the next people. Um, it just it sounds like you really want to do it and, yeah. and, uh, and get that trailer. Look up yeah. the backcountry horsemen. There have to be some in Vermont. And, and I would. There's a there's a national website, and yeah. they should be able to direct you to people in Vermont. And they're so helpful. I mean, these are the nicest, nicest people. They love anybody who wants to trail ride, and and they may be able to um, even if maybe they're not very close, they might know some other organizations. So you start with one, and just keep asking. Well, do you know of anybody else? Do you know of anybody else? And and yeah. Maybe something will shake out of it. And for everybody, that's uh, bcha.org. Let's go on to the next question here. And this was an interesting one that Richard asked. Uh, do you want to do you want to ask it about picking your horse? Okay. When you um, went to get your horse, did you pick your horse or did your horse pick you? <laughs> and the reason I asked this this one was because my wife had always told me. Arabs pick their people. She said, you could go pick, pick out a horse and yeah, you could work, get a working relationship with them. But if they pick you, the relationship will be a lot stronger. And I'm finding out that's very true with my girl. Uh, before I started working out at this boarding barn, uh, the guy who's my boss now asked my wife and I if we'd come out and halter break uh, the babies that year. And so we said, sure. So we were out putting the halters on uh, the weanlings. And the girl that ended up being mine, or picking me, I should say, um, she, when we walked in the stalls, she had a very high flight instinct. She was back and forth across the back of her stall. My wife and I finally got her cornered. I was holding her. My wife put the halter on her. We let her go. I backed up toward the door. Um, 
the girl, my girl went back and forth across the back of the stall a few more times, stopped in the far corner, turned and looked at me and ran straight to me, put her head on my shoulder. And if she could have cried, she would have been crying on my shoulder. And from that day, it was like, I can get her to do anything. God, Richard, that's every guy's dream right there. (laughs) (laughs) She she trusts me enough that even now when uh, I'm up at my trainers and we're just out walking her on the lead, she will stop and she will roll. She'll find a spot and roll and I can stand right there beside her. And she just looks at me like, oh, hi, Dad. <laughs> well, that horse definitely picked and, you, no question. <laughs> no question. And, and my wife had said she has never seen that, and she'd been working with horses for about 20 years. Hmm. How about you guys? That's so, a good question. I'd be interested to know your answers, Mary. Oh, um, my first horse, Gambler, the quarter horse, He, uh, I, I leased him, and it was sort of like the devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't, I knew everything good about him and the few bad things about him. And he was an easy keeper and he loaded and he stood for the farrier and he was relatively trustworthy. Um, and so I just, it, that was sort of the path of least resistance. And I just bugged and bugged and bugged the people that owned him until they sold him to me. And, uh, Dutch, he's a completely different story. He's the Frisian quarter horse cross. And um, I kind of feel like my mom placed him in front of me. She had died a month before of ovarian cancer and had kind of a a struggle with it. And uh, part of my childhood history is that I grew up in Holland. My dad got transferred for business. And I attempted to take horse lessons when we got to Holland when I was seven years old, and they stuck me on this ginormous Frisian named Fidelio, I'll never forget it, who tried to roll with me on him, and my little seven-year-old legs were flapping, and he just sort of said, you can flap all you want, but I'm doing what I want, and uh, and then trying to take the lessons from the... Uh, Dutch instructors, as we all know, learning to ride is a language unto itself anyway in English. And so I had no idea what they were talking about. And I got pretty discouraged pretty quickly and dropped it. And fast forward to, you know, owning Gambler and then my mom passing away. And this horse just showed up in Jackson and he was for sale. And somebody called a friend of mine and said, you know, got a bomb proof horse that'd be good for mounted unit. And, uh, she had already found another horse, so she called me and said, there's a horse for sale. And I went to go look at him, and here's this Frisian quarter horse cross. It was sort of like a metaphor for my life, and I was feeling really vulnerable right at that moment. And I did not do very much due diligence at all. I just sort of fell for this horse and um, rode him a couple of times and took him to the vet and the vet passed him with flying colors and I'm like he's mine I just sort of as soon as I met him I made the decision and uh and it's just it's I'm not sure he had a lot to say in the matter although when I walked up to him he stretched out he was just so curious about who I was and so that's part of what made me just instantly fall in love with him Um, but he has been the most amazing horse for me and just opened my eyes to a whole different horse personality as compared to what my quarter horse gambler had, uh, showed me for the past 28 years. So I would say you found each other. I would say that. And I really do think my mom just sort of dropped him right there. You know, it it just felt like that. And he's been, you know, uh, as Andrea was saying, going out riding alone and, and trying to feel safe, this horse, I feel so safe on him when I go all by myself. And uh, I never would have thought that I would do that. So, how about you, Andrea? Definitely, uh, Boone. Um, yeah, so as I said, you know, I, I have not owned a horse for a little over 10 years. And, um, this last year, 
I was kind of a weird story. So I went to yoga one night and the girl in my town said, Hey, does anybody ride? Cause she had two horses. And, uh, so I said, yeah, I ride. And so, um, her and I started riding together on her two horses. Um, but, uh, so I would really just ride this one, the one horse that I have now, um, and over time, you know, our bond grew stronger than the bond that she had with him. And uh, a year later, uh, I then I owned him. <laughs> so uh, she just felt like he wasn't working for her and she was going to sell him. And he and I, I just started working with him by, by myself. You know, she was fine with it because she was, she was afraid of him. Uh, so this horse had been through, um, his name's Chester and he's, he's had a number of different order owners and he's only eight years old. Uh, so he sat for, I don't know, like two years and then another year and then got away with, you know, just, you know, didn't have good ownership. Um, so I would say, I, and when she said that she was going to sell him, I said, no, you can't sell him to anyone else but me. And I had no intention of buying a horse. I specifically said that I would never, wouldn't buy a horse until, you know, this happened or until this happened. So, um, and then I ended up buying him <laughs> uh, without telling my now husband <laughs> and uh, because I couldn't let him go. So. And I had, I wasn't looking, I wasn't planning on it. And it just, it just sort of happened. And so we have a, we have uh one of the, and everybody knows Scooter's story. He just was pathetic and I had to take him home. So, and, and here we that's go. All these years story, later. <laughs> so, I think he probably found, he, he probably jumped in our laps and said, uh, I'm dying here. Take me home. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> pick me, pick me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, Mary, your question is interesting, and I wish Jennifer was actually on this call. She would be a good one to have on this. Uh, so why don't you ask it? Yeah, well, um, so not having grown up on horses um, and seeing a lot of people get hurt, you know, later in life, trail riding and, you know, on horses that just misbehaved or they people did dumb things or whatever, I have consequently developed a fear of going fast on a horse and it's kind of hard because I sit and listen to um, everything that is talked about on horse radio network. And I'm like, God, I want to do that. But to do that, I have to go fast, <laughs> you know, to do mounted archery. I have to go fast to do, you know, Western dressage. I have to go faster, um, you know, to do anything really that I want to do on a horse, I have to go fast. And so I'm just wondering if anybody else has had this issue and how you've gotten yourself through it, or if you have any suggestions for how I can proceed to um, make myself feel more comfortable, feel like I'm, you know, uh, trusting the horse to do its job and um, not developing a situation where the horse is then wondering what the heck I'm doing on its back. Uh, so I grew up, right, you know, riding, wanting to go fast. <laughs> and um, the my first horse was uh, half thoroughbred, half quarter horse, and he could go very fast. Um, and uh, but you know, I got out of it for about ten years. So when I when I picked it back up about a year and a half ago, or you know, two years ago now. Uh, I realized that I developed a fear after not doing it for, for 10 years. And so, but, um, what I did was I just incrementally started to, to go faster, uh, but in, you know, limited situations. So, you know, if I was going to canter, I was going to do it in an indoor arena. And so now if I'm going to now, uh, now I'm cantering, I'm doing it, a an outdoor arena. Um, and then I eventually was able to do it in an open field and, uh, but I do it for a short amount of times and I, but I wouldn't do it unless I knew that, you, you know, me and the, me and my horse were in complete sync and he was going to stop when I told him to stop and he was going to go when I told him to go. Um, so I didn't think about going fast if he couldn't do that before. 
beforehand. And that's okay. uh, and wearing a helmet. Wearing a helmet, um, I'm, I I have less fear when I wear a helmet. For that's sure. Interesting. Richard, any okay. thing there? Well, the first horse uh, my late wife and I bought was uh, we bought her from the college we were going to, and she used to be the uh, mascot for the college. And, of course, they'd use her during the football game. Anytime the team would score a touchdown, of course, she'd run up and down the, uh, the field. Well, she only has had two speeds, walk and gallop. <laughs> I found out the hard way that was the only thing she had. Because uh, my very last semester, I took uh, basic horsemanship because my late wife said, hey, you've got this three credit hours here that you can take anything. And she said, why don't you take this? And so I fell in love with uh, Snowflake was her name. And so I'd gotten to where I could ride her pretty decently. And since we were just starting, of course, everything we did was walk. So my wife asked the instructor if, hey, on the weekend, could we come out and take a couple of horses and just go ride out through the field? And he said, yeah, he, he can hold his own pretty good. So we were out riding and, uh, the horse my wife was on decided, well, we'll go a little faster. And of course he started passing snowflake and snowflake was like, uh, no, took off at a full gallop. And it was like, okay, I'm going to hold on here and see what happens. And then I finally decided to tell her to woe. And I found out real quick uh, by hugging her around the neck, she stops within three steps. Oh, so wow. it was like it was like I had to learn real quick how to how to stop on her. But the thing was, her gallop was just so smooth, it didn't really scare me. And it was like it was just like riding on um, riding on glass. It was just so smooth. And it was like, well, okay, I see what you can do, and I trust you. So uh, every time we got ready to stop, I put my feet forward in the stirrups, lean back, and tell her to woe. And by the time she stopped, I was sitting straight up. <laughs> so, so a lot of times, a lot of times, you just have to have to learn how to trust your horse. I, I would have a question too, Mary. Have you taken lessons on to to canter? You know, I have um, gone to a couple of clinics. I have not taken lessons in Jackson. It's kind of tough to find someone who's um, who I think has the right principles. Um, we've got quite a few dressage people who are pretty militant and we have self-styled instructors that are western and they're also militant in a different way <laughs> and so i just it's just really hard to find somebody i feel is qualified in this really small town that we have i think that's but, what um, jennifer I did, I, would say i think she would say do it in a controlled environment find an instructor that can help you you know, do it in a ring. You're not doing it in an open field to start, uh, and you're going right, to build your right. confidence that way. And instruct. She would definitely right. say instruction. Um, you know, I found a gal um, right before I left for Arizona that I think I'm going to try to take some lessons from, and she's one of those. She reminds me a lot of you know the people that we hear on the show. She is a beautiful English rider, but she also goes out and hunts on her horses, you know, hunts elk. On oh, her that would be perfect. And, and I mean, she she's somebody that has the experience. A, yeah. Yeah. So somebody who's really got a lot of breadth as well as depth. And, and um, you're, I think you're going to her for a very specific reason. And I would make that clear when you go to her, uh, you're trying to build confidence yeah. to, you know, to get to the canter and to enjoy the canter rather than fearing it. Um, and right. she's going to take you through a series of steps to do that, but I do think instruction's probably the way to go, because we're not 14 anymore, you know? Um, 
Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, I had the same thing driving. You know, I I had to work up to it with Jennifer's help to get to the point where we could go like really fast. Uh, I never used to like to go really fast, and then now I love to go really fast. Um, and it, you know, at times, yeah, it still scares you, and, and even riding, it still scares you. And and to be honest, there's a lot of people out there that would never do fox hunting because it's too scary. I mean, probably uh, there's. I'd say majority of people will never do it because it's too scary. Um, and eventing the same way. There's a reason, you know, you talk to Reese Koffler Stanfield of the Dressage Show, Grand Prix Dressage Rider. She would never do cross country. Uh, she doesn't even like trail riding that much. So, you know, there's certain people that, that don't like it, period. She, I mean, she'll do it in a ring. She'll, you know, she'll do the canters and everything in a ring, but she's never going to do it on, on an open field. So that's yeah, it's very different. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, you know, it's sometimes, it's not for everybody, but you're not going to know unless you try. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like once I get over this, that I will enjoy, and, you know, maybe I won't race around and do eventing, but, you know, at least I'll feel like I can kind of join in on an activity that I haven't done before. Yeah. You could canter on the beach on a trail ride if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, Right. Right. Got it. Well, and I think and honestly, that's going to be the key. This is, horse can... is Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say this horse is probably, if there's any horse that's going to be good to me, it's going to be this one. So I, I just need to, you know, get out of my head and, like you said, get an instructor and, and uh, get it done. Yeah, they're going to work on the steps to get you out of your head. Because it sounds like the horse has got the problem you do here in this case. So, you know, it, it's you they're going to work on. And in most right, most exactly. instruction situations, it's you that they're going to work on anyway. I mean, it's... That's, 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 do you do trotting? Do you trot? Oh, yeah. I love to trot. And he's, um, because he's part Frisian, he's got a really nice extended trot. And, and you know, a couple times this summer, I actually loped uphill because I feel like that's safer. There might not be any bucking involved. <laughs> but he's like he's only ever bucked once in the four years that I've had him. So, and I think that was totally my fault. Um, it's always my fault, you know. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, certain that whatever happens is going to be something that I triggered. But um, and, you know, and so I feel like I, I just feel like I just need a little bit more confidence to be able to be comfortable doing it in a variety of situations. And that's going to come from practice, and again, in that controlled environment, I think. Yeah, right. and you start with your most your most comfortable situation. You know, that's when you, yeah, wherever your horse and you are most comfortable, that's where you start. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's important. I like what you said about that, Andrea. Probably not going to be riding down the side of a mountain in an ice storm. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, that guys, believe it or not, we've run out of time, but I would like to ask you one more question each. Richard, we'll start with you. What do you like about being an auditor? Being able to learn different things, because right now, uh, with my horse, it's a wide open notebook. Nothing's written in stone yet. And I can pick up little things that I can work with my girl on now from the ground. And as my trainer says, whatever I can teach her on the ground now will translate to the saddle. So, Mary, what do you like about being an auditor? Oh, my gosh. Where do I start? Um, I love the diversity of the group. Um, I love that there doesn't seem to be anybody that's staunchly one way or the other to the extent that they can't see the point of view of somebody who does endurance riding if they don't do endurance riding things like that i mean i just think it's great it's one of the few horse communities that there aren't a lot of like super strong opinions being thrown around about one way versus another way um to to get something accomplished and i i've learned so much and i i love the accessibility of um, you know, being able to ask Mary Kitzmiller a question or Jen a question or, you know, any, anybody about all these variety of disciplines. Um, I just, and I think they all, they all feed into one another so much 
that um, it's impossible not to learn something by listening to the draft horse show. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. impossible not to learn something. You know, it, it all somehow will relate back to you and your horse if you're really listening. You so, know what? Doesn't matter what discipline, it. what breed, they're all horses and all horse people. It right. comes down to the fact right. that they're all horses. Uh, now, draft yeah. a lot more of it in the draft horse case, but they're still horses. They just have <laughs> bigger feet. Um, yeah. Andrea, how about you? Um. You stole what I was going to say, Mary. <laughs> oh, that's um, okay. <laughs> that's a good. That's good though. Um, but I'll just piggyback off of what you said and just say that you know, bringing it back to my initial question today was you know, not being able to have a horse community nearby or or be able to reach out to horse people per se. So I feel like I I get that piece that's missing in my actual daily life by being an auditor. So I do feel like I'm connected with horse people and do feel like I can reach out to people if I need something or support or um, just all, it's all encompassing of what I would expect from horse people. Very good. Well, thank you all. If you want to become an auditor, just go to horseradionetwork.com, click click on the auditor banner, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can do that too. We appreciate all of you, all three of you, for supporting us and for helping support the Horse Radio Network and all the hosts here. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for joining me again this week. Again, if you want to become an auditor, just head over to horseradionetwork.com, click on the auditor banner on the right-hand side of the page, and for as little as a dollar a month, you too can help support the Horse Radio Network and become part of one of the most active horse commun- and positive horse communities in the world. You can find all the shows on the Horse Radio Network on our app, iOS or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network. Download it. It's free. It's easy. It's one of the simplest ways to listen to our shows. Check out the brand new show on the Horse Radio Network called Arabian Racing Radio. If you're into racing at all, or if you love Arabians, you're going to like this show. The hosts are terrific, and it is now on the app and all podcast stores and players. Just search for Arabian Racing Radio. Thank you to our new title sponsor, Purina Mills, and also to horselovers.com for their continued support. And until next week, everybody, happy scooping. <laughs>